Welcome to the Self-Value Podcast, where self-discovery is your superpower. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Sue Bryce and our lineup of amazing guests. Together, we'll explore the distinct connections between self-value, relationships, career growth, and financial abundance. Through real personal stories and expert wisdom, we'll arm you with sustainable tools and strategies to become the best version of yourself and create the life of your dreams. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser here, and this week, Jessica Malone joined me on the Self-Value Podcast. Jessica shares her personal journey of discovering self-value and how this has affected her success. She discusses the impact of childhood messages on the money mindset and the importance of forgiveness and reframing beliefs, as well as breaking free from limiting beliefs and overcoming the poor person mentality. Jessica gives a lot of valuable insight during this episode, and I'm so excited to introduce her to you. Okay, let's get started with Jessica Malone. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the Self-Value Podcast. How are you? Hi, Nikki. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I feel like, you know, a lot of the information that you're going to share is quite personal and you know, it's a vulnerable place to be when you're sharing personal information, but it's so helpful for others to hear. So I, you know, I appreciate that for everyone's benefit. Yeah, I agree. And that's the same, um, you know, anytime I feel any kind of like um, hesitancy or even, you know, nervousness around this, that's, you know, you just kind of go back to this is helpful for other people and um, makes it feel a little bit better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I know that you are a small business owner And so much of what we do when it comes to career and especially entrepreneurship and running a business, like we have to find our self-value if we're really going to be successful. And and so I'm I'm curious, you know, how all of this has played out for you because it from from what I know about you, your like need for a self-value like journey, I guess, started when you were pretty little, like a kid. Is that right? Yeah. That's that's definitely true, but I mean, you are so right in the link between success as a you know small business owner um, working in a creative field. I think two adds another layer to that, but being a small business owner and how it's directly linked to your self value and you know that whole journey. Um, mm-hmm. That's it, it's what's needed to get you going and really get you to that next level of success. And that's how I really how this whole discovery of everything that I've gone through and every, you know, (laughs) all of that development started with business. I didn't go into, you know, searching for any kind of um, self-development, really self-growth. I I was just looking for business skills, a way to make money. And then through that, you know, I started learning like, oh, I have to, you know, value myself. I have to be able to, you know, ask for money for my, you know, exchange and have that equal value. And that's just directly correlated to it. So through my, you know, wanting to learn to be a photographer and be a successful business owner came my self value and self-development journey. So, but, and I didn't realize that it had started when I was little, (laughs) really Mm -hmm. all of that. I I think that's true for everyone. We get all these signs and things that um, stick with us, memories or, or just these little things, these little glimmers of things that stick with us from childhood that we kind of get, try to get back to, you know, um, through through our journey to self-development. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it totally does. And it's so interesting because you're not the, you're not alone in this. There are so many people who, 
you know, initially came to, to sue for business help and not realizing they needed to learn self-love and self-value, you know, call it, call it whatever you want. We call it usually self-value here because that's, you know, what we are, but people come for the business advice or used to anyway, and they stayed for the self-value because they were like, dang, I didn't realize this is what I needed. I didn't realize that in order to move through, oh my gosh, we call them money blocks or, oh yeah, um, you know, blocks with relationship and just relationships and with business and love and all of that, it all goes back to our self-worth. And we don't know what we don't know until we're like in the midst of it. I always say like becoming a business owner saved me in so many ways. And that, and that is one of them, like figuring out how to love myself and gosh, it's crazy. The success that came once I started doing that. Oh, same. And I, you know, you just described me perfectly, like came for the business, stayed for the self-value. Um, because I think, you know, what, what we learn with business, there's so many ways to do it. Right. And we've seen people be successful and, you know, there's, there's so many ways to find success as a small business owner, as a photographer, whatever it is you're doing. Mm -hmm. Not too long ago, Sue and I did an episode called, um, how to change your money problems and finally succeed. And something we address in there is that we receive so many messages as a kid from our parents or our caretakers and, you know, society in general, but it really hits home, like within the home, how we develop our thoughts and our processes around money and how it really significantly can impact us. Did you find that was the case for you? Oh, absolutely. And actually, so my story is, it's pretty interesting. And I think I got a really great view on how money mindset and 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 those attitudes what you're just talking about what's learned in home and how those manifest later on in life so growing up i had um the interesting experience of being partially raised by my grandmother and uh they were both you know both my mom and my grandma were single moms they both um lost their husbands uh unexpectedly at young ages And my grandma was actually a product of the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. Um, So she was about 15 when the Great Depression started. They were very, very poor to begin with. And, you know, the Depression made it even worse. She was one of the youngest out of 13 kids. My mom was one of the, my mom is the youngest out of nine kids. And uh, she was only three when her dad died. And they were so poor um, that the town doctor tried to come take my mom from my grandma because they were just like, you cannot possibly feed these children. And my grandma only had um, an eighth grade. She didn't have an eighth grade graduation. She actually went back to night school when she was like in her fifties just to get her eighth grade diploma. Wow. So, I mean, they were very, very poor. And um, so, you know, my mom still... (laughs) She tells the story about the doctor, and she's, I think, still a little bitter that my grandma didn't give her to a doctor uh, because she could have been the only child of this doctor's family, you know. So she still, that's how I know about it. She still tells the story today. And I think that's how, you know, a lot of when we talk about generational trauma or any kind of, it, they kind of live on as these myths and stories, and you start to pick up on these. But so my mom did this really fantastic job of, you know, she was the youngest of nine kids only two of them finished high school and only one of them 
went to college and had any sort of, you know, uh, higher education past high school. And that was my mom. Um, so she faced a lot of resentment around that growing up. Right. And she made, uh, a pretty, you know, she, she was pretty successful in her field. She was an accountant. Um, and she made it pretty far for having, you know, no support whatsoever. She put mm -hmm. herself through college and all of that. And then when my dad passed away, when I was young, um, you know, uh, my mom invited my grandma to move in with us and kind of help out um, around because, you know, you can imagine she was very, very lost at that time. So I got to, I was kind of right, either the Rich Dad, Poor Dad <laughs> book. I oh, kind yes. of had it's one of my favorite I, books of all time. Mine too. Mm -hmm. And um, so it, it's, it's kind of that, not totally that way, but similar in the fact that I had this mom who was, you know, in the early nineties earning almost six figures on her own, um, which was, you know, very impressive back. That's, 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 a, that's a good amount of money yeah. anyway, but like, mm -hmm. you know, for back then. Um, and then I'm also raised by someone who is a product from <laughs> the great depression. And, you know, so we ate, you know, my friends would come over to our house and we would eat these foods. I didn't know it. They thought it was very strange, and I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, they're very, they're depression foods. You know, my grandma could, you know, take like five ingredients and make a 12 course meal out of it. And, <laughs> right. and when I talk to people who, you know, have family and, you know, that kind of come from that, uh, it, you know, that's a thing. And so, so, and, and they stayed, you know, my mom, even though we, we were comfortable growing up, you know, when she was in high school, they had dirt floors. They still had an outhouse. Um, they had to carry water sometimes in the house for her just to wash her hair. And I mean, this was the 1970s. Mm -hmm. This isn't like, you know, so she, she was a product from this. She managed to make something of herself. I grew up for the most part, pretty comfortably. But then as I got older, you know, I always knew these, um, these stories were still very present in my mom's mind. And now doing the work that I've done, I can see like her focus never really left that poverty. Um, state mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um and you know she eventually ended up losing lost the house lost and interestingly enough oh, her wow. house her childhood home that she grew up in it's no longer there they've torn it down they've torn it down since then but she's currently living two houses down from the place that she grew up and you know to me now, now learning everything that I've learned and, and that I'm still continuing to learn about, you know, like how powerful your mindset is and where your focus lies, that's, that's where you're heading. That's what you're empowering. And so um, I, I could see like, wow, you, how not learning to overcome some of these um, things that you've learned, these, these blocks that you've picked up, how they can you know, you can be given the good, you can be given a great salary. You can be given, you know, the house, all the things you think it's going to make you happy. But if, if you don't work on that, you're going to end up right back where you started. Yeah. So, um, it's been very, very much untangling those, uh, mindsets and things that you just pick up these little beliefs, you know? Um, mm -hmm. yeah. It, it's, it's so true. It, there's, there have been a bunch of studies done on people who've won yeah. the lottery, for example, win millions. And within a year, they're back in the same uh, you know, financial strain situation that they were in before. Because we do, we, we pick up these patterns and beliefs 
And if we don't change those, nothing else is going to change. It doesn't matter the great job that you get or the money that you win until you truly work through it. There's just not going to be that progress. Like, and, and what do you think some of those beliefs are, whether it was for you or, or your mom? And, and like, I'll give you an example. Like for me, I just didn't feel like I deserved it. You know, being rich was for someone else. It wasn't for me. I, you know, wherever that came from, I mean, I kind of know where it came from, but that was my belief. I didn't deserve it. That was not for me. Like, what kind of beliefs did you carry or do you think your oh, mom Oh, definitely carried? that. I mean, she, she still struggles with this, you know, to this day. And I did too for a long time. But also I think, you know, when you say like, oh, that's for somebody else or I don't deserve it. Um, when you don't have anybody in your family, if you're not growing up seeing someone be that kind of success or enjoying a certain amount of wealth or whatever it is, even happiness or just, you know, uh, contentment with life. Um, if, if you've never seen that happen, you can't picture yourself being that way. Um, and, mm -hmm. and so I think that's yeah. what really is underlying that. Like, I don't deserve it. Like no one outright tells you, I mean, maybe some, I'm, I'm sure that this has happened to people that, you know, no one outright says, no one outright told me like, you don't deserve this. Uh, you know, they were very encouraging with me. Um, but mm -hmm. there was this like separation. Like I see some families living a certain way and being a certain way. And I see nobody in my family that is so you know, there must be a difference. There must be a reason why mm -hmm. I can't be that, mm -hmm. if, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I think, you know, it's, in addition to like those money blocks, I think coming from um, someone, you know, my grandma going through extreme poverty and my mom living through extreme poverty and, uh, you know, what kind of comes with that um, traumatic experience, um, there's a constant like fearfulness, like, um, and, and, you know, I've been learning about like scarcity, like a scarcity mindset. That's a big money block, right? Um, you know, that there's not enough and mm -hmm. you can never have enough. And no matter, and that's a big one because no matter what you achieve, that fear is still there that it's not enough. You know, you could do six figures then you do seven figures, but it's still not enough. Um, and I think that, you know, interestingly that scarcity, I just learned scarcity brain comes from, you know, humans, um, needing food, like our early human an ancestors, you know, how like anxiety or like, you know, the abandonment, like you're going to get kicked out of the tribe and it's dark and you're going to get eaten by a saber toothed tiger, like yep. this ancient human fear that kept us alive. Yep. Um, scarcity is that same thing. It's we need more food um, for the winter or for when we can't find food or, you know, whatever. Um, and so I, I think that's interesting how that's a, that's a big common trait with people who've experienced, um, extreme poverty or have that running through their family, like generational poverty, like getting over that scarcity is a huge thing. Just knowing that there's enough is, is such a big uh, deal to, to adopt that in your mind and fully believe it. Yeah. Well, and something else you brought up that I think is, is really important is that if you don't see someone happy, successful as well, kids are going to be like, why would I want to do that? And I'm, and I'm guessing at that. And I guess I'm sharing more from my own experience, but like my dad was, you know, an executive at Chrysler for 30 years and he did really well, but he was miserable at his job. And I would watch him just come home from work exhausted and 
okay, maybe he wasn't miserable. Maybe he liked it when he was there, but it wasn't like my dad jumped for joy and expressed excitement about his career in any way, shape, or form. And in my head, I'm like, I don't want that, like, boring-ass corporate job that, you know. I think if he had maybe had a different mindset around it, it would have, and I saw him light up, maybe it would have lit me up more. I, I, I don't know. Like, And I think about this with my own kids that I try not to complain ever about, like, I have to work today or I'm going to work, you guys, or, you know, I have to work so that I can provide you these things. Like I try to really make it like I get to do an awesome podcast today or like I'm going to do a photo shoot or guys, I'm going to check out this new building that we might own soon. You know, I try to really make it exciting because are there days that I don't want to do any of it? Sure. Yes. But I try not to let them see that. I want them to know that what they can do to earn money and, and make a great living should should bring them oh, yeah. joy. And I think that's that's such a good um, thing that you're doing. And I mean, you know, as a parent, I'm sure you know, like kids do more what you do than what you say. <laughs> so when you don't have somebody mm-hmm. who's excitedly going after opportunities and viewing it as opportunities, not like, oh, I have to go do this, but like I get to go do this. That's a whole different energy. And you can tell somebody like, you know, go do something you love in life and go be successful and you can do it. But if you're not like following your own advice, if you're not walking your talk, you know, then the kids are going to do the same thing. And you're just going to kind of perpetuate that. And, you know, my mom, because she experienced such um, extreme, you know, poverty, she never wanted us to go through that. So she kind of went into workaholic mode. So what I learned was the only way to be successful and to take care of your family is to work 80, 90 hours a week, to never be home, to, you know, success only comes from working hard, long hours and coming home, you know, super stressed and exhausted and not having time for your kids or for your family or for just you to. Mm-hmm. You just brought up a really, really important point. <laughs> That if we hold on to the resentment and we can't like have any sort of forgiveness and we live in the victimhood of what was or wasn't our childhood, it's going to be incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to move on and really, truly have this like life that we love and deserve. Like, you know, I'm a 46-year-old woman. There was shit in my childhood that was incredibly difficult. And there were some really amazing, wonderful things. But I need to look at it as my parents did the best they could in that moment of their life that they were in with the tools that they had. And I need to be okay with that. And I need to create my new story and my new beliefs around what, what, you know, what I am worth and what I do deserve and how I want to live my life and just be okay with this is what happened to me. I accept it. I personally forgive my parents for the things that I wish, you know, had been a little bit different. And I, and I feel like if when I, when I was not in a place to do all of that, I was not moving forward with my relationships, with my career, you know, love relationships with my career, you know, in just money. Like that was a huge part of it. Oh my gosh. It's amazing how once I was able to really kind of flip the switch on all of these things, I wasn't living paycheck to paycheck anymore. I was able to get out of debt. Like I have this incredible marriage to an amazing husband. It's, you know, like the the things just fall into place. And this was not how things always were for me until my like early 30s. I mean, I really struggled. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, when you start forgiving people, um, you know, your parents and or just all the people that kind of shaped your life, or it, it makes it easier for you to forgive yourself. And mm-hmm. I think that's a key thing, too, because we're, you know, we tend to be a little bit harder on ourselves than just about anybody else um, on the planet sometimes. And, uh, you know, when you're dealing with... Um, working through blocks, working through, you know, trauma or, you know, finding like shifting that narrative and and reframing your story when you're doing that, you know, there's going to, there's going to be some unpleasant emotions come up and you're going to feel the things, but, you know, like forgiving yourself and offering yourself that same kind of compassion as what you would somebody else, like your best friend telling you your story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's really important because like you said, you know, you, you can't get through that next level like in your relationship or in your business or just just in life like all the levels of life if you can't do that you're you're gonna hit a plateau somewhere you're gonna hit you know just forgiveness and that compassion is is key yeah yeah i think it you know reframing those messages it can really happen quite quickly to change the beliefs Like we have people in our community who are in their 50s, 60s, who started this work, you know, personally, really, really diving into it all. And like, they've made progress very quickly. Like this is something that you, you know, can teach teenagers and, you know, it just doesn't matter like how deep, like there can be change made when you're kind of dedicated to, to making it happen. And, you know, it is, it's just something that, even if you just are reframing specific thoughts, like, you know, as a kid, I remembered looking at these big, beautiful houses, not even occurring that it could happen to me. And now it's like, Ooh, what is my next house going to look like? You know, it's, it's just a different way of, of reframing your thoughts. Oh yeah. And I think, but I think what you're saying here, it's, it's really important. Just those little bits that you're remembering, like, you know, you can remember looking at houses as a kid or, and how that made you feel. I think the first thing in dealing with any of this is just developing that awareness of that. Okay. I have blocks here. I have patterns here. I have, and then once you start identifying these patterns, like, um, you know, I, I know when I was, a kid before anything, you know, before I lost my dad or anything like that, I can remember being at the grocery store with my mom and I would purposely find somewhere else for my attention when the cashier would say the total of how much she spent. And now at the time my mom made, you know, good money. Like there was no talk that I can remember like, Oh, we don't have enough or anything like that. She was making pretty good money for herself And I can remember not picking out like certain cereals that I wanted or certain things that I, because I felt guilty for, and you know, I'm like Mm -hmm. five years old. Um, So once I became aware of like, oh, this stuff just exists and I should start being aware of it. Like how many times have I avoided just saying, I want this for myself or speaking on that. Like I want this experience or I want this thing because for any other reason, just that it makes me happy or that I want it, you know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing that still in my adult life. And then, so of course I had to like unravel, like, well, where would I get this idea that that there's not enough or that there's enough for everybody else, but me. And that was a big one too. But like just that little memory of a, of 
you know, from my childhood that kind of stuck with me. And then I noticed that and I remembered the feeling and then I could see like how that pattern is still playing out now. And then mm. once I went and addressed it, now it, much, it makes it easier in my adult life. I can catch myself when I'm not picking out that proverbial box of cereal for myself. Like if I want mm -hmm. the cereal bad enough, I'm going to get the cereal and I should have it and I'm good enough to have it. I deserve it, you know. Um, but it's just that awareness that, you know, because yeah. everybody's is different and everybody's looks different. We can say like money blocks. Well, like my money blocks. And even if we have the same money block, I, I feel like, the memory or the thought or the triggers maybe associated with it are all very personal. So like you got to dive into your own story and your own, you know, experiences and, and just start seeing them there. Cause once you start seeing that you, you can't shift anything, you can't reframe anything unless you know it's there and that you're having it. So yeah. I think that first step is really just learning to be aware and identify them in the first place. Jessica, have you ever, have you ever kind of gone the opposite way? Like, I can think of when my parents were still married, we would go out to breakfast uh, on Sundays. And we would go to this, <laughs> this breakfast place that was like probably a 30-minute drive for us. There were a million breakfast places closer to us. But this was the cheapest one that my dad found that had the specials. We had to order only off of the specials menu. And it's not like we were poor. You know, I mean, things changed when my parents got divorced, but at that time we were not poor, not at all. And now I am such an overorderer at restaurants. I will like, Dan, my husband's always shaking his head. Like I may as well not even order because I know I'm going to eat half the shit that you don't eat. Like I'm an overorderer. And then my dad also taught me about credit card debt and just the importance of not paying interest. And I mean, he taught it all to me. And by the time I was, you know, 19, I had $10,000 in credit card debt. Like I went the complete opposite direction. Not anymore. Like now I have, well, okay, I still overorder food. <laughs> but when it comes to debt, I've really shifted that. But has that ever happened to you just going the opposite of what your parents kind of showed you and taught you? Yeah, I think so. You know, for my mom being an accountant and she was a CFO for a company, you know, nonprofit and all these things, I feel like I learned very little about money. <laughs> And I think um, I I kind of blocked it out in a sense because she would always try to you know teach me how to work Excel and 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 my mind I mean you just you can't even finish the word Excel and my brain just like glazes over <laughs> and uh, oh I can relate to yeah, that yeah and I think and I don't know if it's if it's that's just who I am or if it's because you know she valued that there, there was certain things she valued there. And maybe, I don't know, you know, sometimes we, like you said, swing the other way from your parents, but I, I wonder if sometimes like finances and money and, and learning all that, did I not just learn or did I like totally block it out because I was trying to veer in the opposite direction? Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's interesting. I always thought it was interesting. Like I said, for somebody whose job was money management, I, I didn't learn a whole lot about money management myself. I learned to like, you yeah. know, work long hours and, and that's the only way you make money. So, um, which yeah, that is another, that is another mindset I think around, you know, growing up and in, in either seeing poverty or being in poverty or having a, you know, a parent who works constantly is that, the idea just that you said, you have to work incredibly hard and long hours in order to be successful. And that is just not yeah. true. And this is a big one. This is a big one that I've been working on. 
of not being a freaking workaholic. Yeah. Sue and I are like, we joke that we're recovering workaholics and we're trying to support each other around that. And it, we both come a long way. I still do struggle with it though. So, like I feel lazy or, you know, oh, yeah. not doing enough. So what's also interesting with, with my experience is, you know, having that example for my mom, but also, you know, we, we went through certain traumas as a kid, just, you know, losing, losing a parent is hard at any age, but when you're That's like, horrendous. yeah, when you're like your formative years, you know, I was seven years old, like that is, you know, a life changer on so many levels. And it's one of the worst things you can go uh, through in my opinion. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and the, we didn't have her there because she was, and, you know, I used to be very resentful about this, you know, like she threw herself mm -hmm. into work and, you know, was working. We never saw her. And when we did see her, she was stressed out trying to recover from, you know, the stresses at work. And she just hadn't, she didn't have the emotional bandwidth for us either because of that. So, when I, my business started when I had kids, like when my oldest, when I was pregnant with my oldest, I think that's when I realized like, oh, you can't couch surf and be this freewheeling bartender anymore, just taking pictures on the side. Like you have a child now <laughs> and uh, maybe you should get serious. So then I started this business and um, so really that was like, Okay. So then that's when it came. Okay. Now, now you need money and you have a business. So now you have to work 80 hours a week to be successful. Right. Cause that's what I learned. But also I didn't want to uh, abandon my kid. Cause that's what it felt like, you know, with my mom not being there. So I had that residual impact too of like, okay, I can't do this. I would face extreme guilt um, leaving my son for what little I did uh, to create this business. And this is something that I still do. And I have another son since then. So I have a, I have a 12 year old and a four year old and I would want to be a workaholic and I would blame, you know, these early years of the business, I would only be successful if I could just have more time. And it was almost like leading to this resentment. Like I, this sounds, you know, this, this sounds bad to say, but it is the truth. And I think a lot of moms kind of get in this trap. It's easy. You know, if only I had a little bit more free time or if only they, I wasn't needed to this level at home, I could devote this energy at work. And if I could just spend all of my energy at work, then I'd be successful. So it was putting me as catch 22. And I was, I was starting to even resent the workaholics because they got to go do what, what they needed to do <laughs> in their business. Mm -hmm. And, but I couldn't get out of this trap because I would feel horrible and like, you know, childcare is expensive. So like, and that's another whole like catch 22, you know? Uh, so I, I, once I recognized this, I reframed my story. I shifted that my whole viewpoint and my kids were not something there that would make me feel resentful because they, like, they weren't something holding me back from work. And I love them, you know what I mean? I felt, I, you know, I'm just being honest here. I felt uh, uh, guilty about feeling that. But I started looking at these are gifts to keep me from being a workaholic. Because, yes. and so That's a good point. I, I, I do have a babysitter. And I think I, I just saw you um, say something not too long ago. I think we have about a, a very similar childcare, you know, for about 15, 18 hours a week. Um, on varied times. So I have about three days, you know, I do a shoot in the studio, do, do the, what I need to do. Um, and I've just built my business around those three days. So now I have this whole successful, you know, what used to hold me back, nothing else changed except for, I'm going to look at this a different way and act accordingly. So I built my business to, you know, so 
I could have easily went into that workaholic thing. I just had, you know, think, yeah, I had mom guilt holding me back and like, you know, my own traumatic things that I was still dealing with from my childhood kind of holding me back and I was feeling negative about it. But once I got over that, it actually made my life more successful because I do have the time mm -hmm. and now it's scalable. And I would have never got yeah. to that had I not like shifted that, you know, story. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And I think everyone out there listening has that, has a story. You know, there is something there that you're telling yourself that is holding you back. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if the episode's going to be out before or after the one that you and I are doing right now that Sue and I just did about making yourself a priority. And it, you can say, I don't have time for this or I can't do that or whatever, but it ultimately comes back to you making yourself a priority. And, and a lot of that is what it comes down to. Um, if you don't allow yourself time to do something that brings you joy, you're not making yourself a priority. And how is it ever going to grow if you, if you don't water it? It's not going to. And then we, you know, feel guilty about it and we, you know, see it off to the side and we're still not doing it, whether it's a physical thing or, you know, with a treadmill or whatever and not working out or, you know, just something that isn't as quite as tangible with like starting a business or whatever. And it just hangs there and we're telling us those stories. I don't deserve it. Or, you know, all of the things that we learned, the messages we learned growing up, whether it was in poverty or just, you know, money situation in general, that wasn't great or, oh man. But it, I, I just want people listening to know that this is something that you can change and work through. You can, you know, and, and that's so, you know, obviously that's what Sue teaches in self-value. And it's, I just love hearing, that's why I love having people like you on is so that others can hear the story, you know, of how you did it and what, what it was like for you. And, you know, and, and, you know, as we wrap this up, like maybe you could give us just a little bit more of the how, like, how did you work through all that so that you do have a successful business and you're not an a workaholic and you were able to change your stories? Um, well, I think it really, it, it does start with that awareness and, you know, like learning that we all have our own stories and you have your own stories that are holding you back and you have your own stories of empowerment. Right. And I, when I started breaking that down, like, and, and how like those thoughts, how your beliefs are connected to your reality and how your, uh, how you feel about yourself, you know, affects so many things, how you value yourself affects so many things. I think when you just kind of have that pause and you become aware, and then you start looking at your own story of breaking that down, you start identifying those patterns. Like that's when the magic happens. Yeah. That, that is like, is such an important piece to this as well. And I think sometimes we forget that. Like we can be so mean to ourselves, the things that we say, you're lazy, you're fat, you're ugly, you don't deserve a partner. Like I, there's so many things that we say to ourselves. And an exercise that I started doing a really long time ago, I don't know exactly where this visual came from, but I'm sitting in a massive wooden like rocking chair and it's darker and it's just me as a little girl and my little feet are dangling and I look at her and I think, would I ever say those things to her? Like the, the mean things that I have said to myself, would I ever say that to her? Like, no. Why would you say that to yourself as an adult? 
you know? No, I think I, I'm, I do the exact same thing. And I'm so glad you said that. Um, I think that's, and I think that was an exercise too, suited an exercise like this um, in one of the videos uh, where you even imagine your, your parents, your mom or your dad, and they're little too. And, and, you know, you think about all, and you just, Think about everybody is like this little, even yourself, like you said. And would you think these things or blame them or have, you know, some of these feelings towards them if you're viewing them as this little, you know, child and you wouldn't? And, you know, um, actually one of the techniques that I, I've been doing to, to kind of help reframe some of these stories is going back to that little girl again and in times where I didn't have maybe a good uh, role model or, or I did have somebody giving me some kind of like limiting belief or something like that. I kind of meditate and go back to that and like give little, you know, little Jessica at the time, what does she need? What is like grown up Jessica? Like, what would I do for myself then? You know, it's kind of like a reparenting kind of thing, I guess. But um, so I do the same thing both ways. Like, you know, would I say this to little Jessica hanging out there or, and, you know, or what does little, you know, hurt Jessica need right now from, from big me? <laughs> How can yeah. I take care of her? To, Ooh, I to, like you know, that. Move past. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's been really helpful, but no, I like that. I like, I like your, I might be in a rocking chair now too, dangling on my feet. I like yeah, that it, visual. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know where it came from, but it's cute. You know, and sometimes I just like, I don't know. I just try to tell her like, oh, like I love you and you deserve the world. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm talking to myself. That's right. <laughs> like, oh man, it's, um, it is, it's quite a journey. It really is. And, you know, in kind of hearing your, your mom's story and like you live in a really tiny town, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Like rural. Very small. Couple, couple like thousand 3,000 people. people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, your mom being like a, a CFO or whatever, I'm wondering if maybe there were bigger desires to move into like a city or whatever. You know, I don't know. I don't know your mom or whatever, but oh, it's absolutely. interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that she moved two doors down. And I think we kind of stay in this poor person mentality sometimes. Like even the way I shop, I like won't ever let myself buy. Okay, I did just let myself buy buy a pair of Doc Martens that are like you know hundred bucks, and that's like a big deal for me. <laughs> it's so weird. Like I still am such a bargain shopper and shop at the cheapest stores, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. But if I saw a five hundred dollar dress that I really loved that I wanted to like wear to our wedding or something, I would never buy it, even though I have the money to do it. It's really strange. It, it just these little things like stick with you. And I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes maybe we, um, you can't work on everything at once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? true. So pick your battles, I suppose. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really yeah. good point. And, well, I, and I, I that, no, you go. I, I think when you do that, when you start, that, that's a big thing. Anybody that's starting like a self development, you know, you're learning to value yourself more once your eyes are open to all the areas that you can improve. I think it can be easy to be overwhelmed. Like I have all the blocks. I'm hopeless. You know, I don't have enough <laughs> lifetimes know. to work through all my issues. <laughs> and it's like, it's okay. Just, just pick one <laughs> and go with it. And, you know, you don't have to do all the things all at once. And I, I know that's not what you were saying, but, you know, I, it is something you do once you, your eyes are open to it. You're like, oh, I still do this and there's this and I have this tendency. <laughs> so, um, yeah. 
Yeah, that's so true. Oh, one thing at a time. It really is. And it's, you know, the things start to add up. It, it really does. It just starts to just, you know, compile into this huge amount of growth and progress when, like you said, starting with awareness, action, and just so much of the mindset and the, and the changing our story and changing our beliefs. It's so powerful. And, and you can just see it in all aspects of your life, with your business, with your money, with your love relationships. It, it's pretty incredible. Well, I appreciate you sharing all of this. It's, um, it's really interesting just to get you know, insight into people's lives and our community and just what they've been through and how they've come out of it. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I appreciate that. appreciate you sharing with all of us. Thank you. I like, yeah. It's nice to have, like I said, sharing and hoping it helps somebody else. Um, so yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Well, I do have three more questions, though, that I always ask yes. at the end of each episode. Okay. <laughs> and the first one is, what would you tell people who are just starting out on the self-value journey? Um, well, like we were saying, you know, start small and just develop that awareness and um, offer yourself some grace and compassion. Yeah, I love that. The grace and compassion piece, I think we forget. I think you mentioned this before. We might do it for other people. Like if a friend, something happens to a friend or they're telling us a story from their past or whatever, we have so much compassion. And then when it's us, it's like, meh. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just and so strange. So I, and I do that sometimes. I, I pretend like, well, what if I was telling this to myself? How would I react? And most of the time it is not how I'm reacting in my inner dialogue. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, definitely just forgive yourself a little bit and know that, you know, everybody, everybody's going through something like this on some level. Like, we've all got our own work to do. You're not alone. Yeah, definitely. All right. Number two is, and this is just kind of, I love to throw this in there because we, I, I feel like we get so heavy and deep, which I do love. I love getting heavy and deep, but this is just kind of a fun question that I like to throw in there. <laughs> and that is, what is your new favorite thing? It could be any sort of product or TV show, recipe, anything. So... um, I feel like anytime somebody asks me something, I guess my answer is always super random, but I would have to say my, my latest favorite wormhole, cause I'm an ADD and I like to, you know, nerd out and go down that wormhole, um, mm-hmm. is Ay- Ayurvedic lifestyle <laughs> diets. What I know that? that Ayurvedic, uh, like the Ayurvedic <laughs> medicine and like, it's like a Ooh, I haven't Indian, heard of this yet. Yeah, it's like Indian philosophy on medicine and health, and they are like light years ahead of us. And it is, it's encompasses the chakras, and it's just so cool. And I love it. And oh, it's been my sounds incredible. <laughs> it's probably super, it might be super boring to other people because it's like medical stuff. And you know, well, I mean, he's got chakras, and that's cool, but it's, it's been a lot of fun learning about. Um, yeah, Fantastic. check it out. It's fun. I will check it out. Thank you. All right. And lastly, where can people find you online? Uh, my website is jessicamaloneportrait.com. Fantastic. And then that's and all of my same social on Instagram handles as well. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah, um, across the board, Jessica Malone Portrait. Cool. Well, thank you, my dear. It was wonderful to talk with you and hopefully we'll be able to hang out in person at some point. Um, yes. In the near future. Soon. Maybe, yes, at, maybe at the next workshop. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's always good to talk to you, Nikki. Yeah, you too. Take care. You too. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Self Value Podcast. If you want even more about self-value to start changing your own life, head over to selfvalue.com where you can find all of the education you need to start reaching your full potential. Also, your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? We really appreciate it. Well, that's all for today, but don't forget to head over to selfvalue.com.